Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Ridge, and our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. So as a piece of that, our goal each week is to bring you something that's hopeful and helpful. So subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Ridge Community Church Podcast. If you find today's episode hopeful and helpful, then please follow or subscribe, and then rate and review so that more people can find the conversation. Today, I want to share with you a conversation that I had with our Ridge Kids directors, Amanda Zins at our Oak Creek Franklin campus, and Victor Viler at our Greenfield campus. In our conversation, we chat about making unpopular parenting choices, feeling the pressure to make certain decisions as a parent, and how to talk to your kids about a rule that may be different from another family's. This is my conversation with Amanda and Victor. All right. Well, hello, Amanda and Victor. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank Thanks you for having us. Ooh, nice combination bonus there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Start us off. All right. We Easter's coming up. I'm sure. Besides the incredible amount of prepping you guys do in in the Ridge Kids area for that, in your home, tell me what's the most popular Easter candy? I actually have a divided house. Ooh, um, okay. My kids love Easter peeps. Wow. And I can't stand them. They're disgusting. Uh, sorry, people <laughs> lovers. Uh, my husband and I actually love the uh, Reese's eggs. Mm. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I got I got done chatting with uh, Tyler recently, and he he's with you as far as the peeps go. He's like, he hates them. I liken them to like fondant on top of a marshmallow. It really you, is kind of what they are. Did you ever really put them in the microwave and watch them explode? I haven't, but I hear that's the thing to do. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> What kind of mess is that? Does that like they legitimately oh, it, like explode everywhere? And uh, some of them can explode. Otherwise, mostly they just kind of like bubble over. And but it's just kind of more fun to watch. I know oh, that I gotcha. a middle school youth director that I used to work with actually had a whole series on peeps, uh, and he exploded <laughs> in them, did all different things, put firecrackers in them, you know, like all sorts. Which of fun uh, we cannot condone on this podcast. No, <laughs> no. But just wanted to let you know, people okay. have many uses for peeps other than eating them. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that Peeps is the most popular candy in your house, Victor? No, they don't. Yeah. They don't actually use it. It's mostly chocolate. So chocolate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How about the, do the Cadbury eggs have those made a comeback? I feel like uh, quote the recipe ever really has went changed. away. Yeah, I don't know that everybody is like a huge like. Oh, but you'll find people that are huge fans. If someone gives me one, I definitely enjoy it. So. I have a friend who he will go to like Walgreens. I don't know why it is Walgreens, but it's Walgreens specifically. And he'll like two days after Easter and he's like, okay, I know that's exactly the date in which they start to be like super, super cheap. And he'll stock up on Cadbury eggs and freeze them. So you you got a whole, whole year supply of Cadbury eggs for like the 10th of the cost. You gotta, you gotta admire the dedication. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, away from the candy, uh, we're in this series called against the grain, which has been, we talking a lot about how Jesus taught a lot about a lot of things that went against the grain and kind of against what society was telling them at the time. And if we kind of expand that and we're talking about, Hey, there are some countercultural things that we have to do in order to live the life that Jesus really wants us to do. And as parents, uh, speaking for you guys, right? Both your parents talking to lots of parents, um, Parents have to help their kids make these decisions and make choices as parents that are pretty countercultural. 
I'm sure there have been times where you've had to make parenting decisions that have gone against the norm. Would you guys mind sharing why do you feel like it's important to not always make the popular parenting choice? Um, I can start with that. Uh, I I think, first of all, the classic response from your kids is, but so-and-so's parents are letting me do this. You know, so, (laughs) so I think that's the classic kid phrase that I think they coined pretty well in that middle elementary time. Um, to really like kind of come as a comeback uh, when they're getting more independent and figuring things out. But I think what makes it so difficult is just each family is raising a very different um, child. And there are many different Mm -hmm. ways to approach each and every child within their own family, uh, Mm -hmm. much less your own household that you're trying to, to raise and do. And so when they get an example of, Hey, but so-and-so is allowed to do this. um, And I'm not going to give examples. We'll give examples later. Um, they may have an older sibling. And so things are just happening faster. Um, As as we all know, the, hey, the, for example, the PG-13 movie, the oldest child, they'll wait till they're 13. And then maybe, you know, the 10-year-old and the eight-year-old, they're just around when it it happens to be playing. And you're like, oh, I have to explain these things earlier to my child. And so the birth order makes a lot of sense too. Mm -hmm. And so I always, I always like to like lean into the question with my kids and, and be like, well, you know, how many other siblings do they have? And if they're an only child, that changes it as opposed to if they're in a family of five, if they're the youngest, if they're the oldest. So. How about you, Amanda? Um, I, not to go generic on that answer, but I've had to make unpopular parenting choices because at the end of the day, it's kind of what works best for each family. Mm. Um, not only culturally where they live, um, whatever their belief structure is, whatever um, family structure is. And honestly, kids are different. I have to raise each. I have three of them. Each of them, I have different standards that I have to raise around them because they're different little people. Um, and so sometimes a parenting choice I make with one, like my oldest, is normally he is a little bit more trust. I can trust him with more mm. versus my middle She's a little bit of a spunk. I have a little bit more of a guard around her <laughs> because she's more likely to make bad choices. And so even just within the same like structure, family beliefs, I have to parent them and make choices for them differently because they are different. So, and it may be, this may be partially like an age related thing, but because you are maybe creating different structures or rules depending on, on the kid. Is that a conversation you have with them about why that's in place? Or is that just kind of like, you know, maybe that conversation will come up when they're older. What does the communication look like for those different kind of rules? Um, They are aware of them. Um, Normally they get the yes, but uh, he's older or, but he has showed mom that I can trust him with that. Mm. And just, they explaining it to them in a way that makes sense instead of just because I said so um, seems to help the kids understand better about what, why I'm making those choices. Well, you've made bad choices before, so I can't give you, I can't let you just pick whatever show you want because you've picked out shows that aren't appropriate. And, And then there's a sense of the ultimate, I don't know where kids get it from. I don't, I don't, maybe it's just a parent thing too on how they raise kids, but there's, there's a sense of fairness 
uh, within within the decision that's made. So like what Amanda just brought up, it's like, well, that's not fair. And uh, trying to be able to explain to a child that fairness is not really a thing that we strive for fairness. We always try to like, Hey, everybody gets equal amounts of ice cream or, but then there's certain aspects of trying to help them understand if they're younger or older of like, Hey, that's just not going to happen right now. Um, and being able to sit down and have a conversation with them about it, uh, that they'll see there's grayness. It's not always black and white, but there's grayness in the midst of, Hey, there's going to be, we're going to strive for fairness in these certain areas, but there's going to be times where, yes, I'm going to have to be unpopular by saying, this is just what makes the most sense right now. Uh, and you have to trust me and um, we're going to work with it and not everything's fair. You mentioned the phrase like, well, so-and-so is allowed to do this, right? And I'm sure it's a lot of time that's related to, I think in the family that I think the fairness thing makes a lot of sense and you're parenting each kid differently. I, I have to imagine it's maybe it's a little bit challenge, more challenging when it's a kid talking about their friend, like they're allowed to watch these types of movies or, you know, they're allowed to have a phone or, or whatever their kind of example is, is thinking of the right way to word this question. But, uh, some of the times those things are like, like age based, right? I'm sure. But other times it may just be simple, like, Hey, this isn't a thing our family is going to value. Like, how do you, how do you navigate and be okay with those decisions or slash make those unpopular decisions? You want that one, Amanda? Sure. <laughs> um, the, the so-and-so, uh, one I just had was actually about bedtimes. Um, and so give me a second. I'll, I'll get back to your question. Um, so my son brought up, Hey, my friends get to stay up later. They get to stay up till eight 39, 10. Um, I said, yeah, they go, well, you go, we have a bedtime strict at seven 30. I'm like, You've stayed up later than that. How do you feel in the morning when I have to wake you up for school? He goes, tired. Like, how do you think your friends feel when they stay up later than that and get up early for school in the morning? He goes, really tired? Like, you can stay up that late if you want to, but you have to get up in the morning to go to school. Which one would you rather have? Now he's grumpy in the morning, so he was like, I need my food. (laughs) But there's that... These especially certain ages, these kids, we're trying to raise them to be their own person, mm-hmm. having conversations, putting it in their, their territory. Well, why do you think that is? How do they react when they watch that movie? That kind of stuff. And I've had that come up with scary movies. My son has talked to me about how his friends have searched for the, like the squid game and all the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The scary movies. Personally, I'm not a scary movie fan. I'm a chicken. I don't like them. <laughs> but I've asked him, like, how does that make you feel? And he goes, it's kind of weird. He's like, I don't know if I want to watch them. Like, just because somebody is doing it doesn't mean they necessarily want to. They might be asking, well, why? Mm-hmm. They're old enough to start kind of formulating their opinions on stuff. Give them the surrounding in the structure to try to make that decision for themselves because for the most part they're just trying to see where well why do we have this rule or 
well, why do you not let me do this? Without understanding that it might have been a well thought out process. Mm-hmm. Well, because if you watch that scary movie, you're going to be coming into my bed at in the middle of the night because you got scared because you had a dream. Yeah. Versus you can't watch a scary movie because I said so. Mm. How much of that is also equipping them to be able to go against like the idea like, oh, all my friends are doing it. So I'm sure there's part of that conversation too. Like just because your friends do it doesn't mean it's a great decision for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, to add on to that though, too, is um, having them think through it on their own. Yeah. Cause like you're going to have that conversation of a friend always having it. But uh, what Amanda was leading in there too, is just, answering the question with a question, a very Jesus like thing to do. Um, <laughs> but, yes. uh, which, which just promotes conversation with them. Um, it's cause like you said, you're, you're raising little mini adults. And if we don't start treating them like they're growing up and we just treat them like their kids, we want them to think through the process. Um, like she said, Hey, what do you think? So-and-so's parent, why do you think so-and-so's parents would allow them to do it? Um, and thinking through that, you know, like, so going back to, just give you a little mini story here, going back to the aspect of talking about the shows that people watch and the movies that they get to watch. And, you know, my daughter already telling me like, Oh yeah, so many of my friends have seen stranger things. Awesome show by the way, but not for third <laughs> to fifth graders, but so many have seen it. And, and, and that's what I would say. And and this is not a judgmental thing for people that have allowed their kids to see it and that they watch it with them. But I, part of what I did is I know like my son. And so we had like a guy's night to watch a movie and he's like, Hey, what's venom all about? You know, like he's, cause he's a big Marvel fan and just mm-hmm. loves. And we looked and we're like, he's like, Oh, it's PG 13. I probably shouldn't watch that. Should I? And I'm like, well, I'm going to let you read the description and why it's rated PG 13. And then you can decide what you think. And then, so it said scary jump out scene, you know, like, and he's like, Oh no, I shouldn't watch that. And he's like, in bad language, you know, like yeah. he's like, no, I definitely shouldn't watch that. And so because he knew a part, I think I talked about this on a podcast before is we created family values for ourselves at the start of, you know, of who we're going to be as the Viler family. And a part of that is knowing that, like, how do we continue to be respectful to others um, and yet still respect their decisions, even if we don't do that, you know, so we don't come off judgmental and we don't come and, and a part of that is like, Hey, I know my friends are watching these. I might feel a little left out, but I also know a little bit more about myself. And the great thing about Elijah, he's so self-aware of himself. Like he can point out things that he's like, you know what? I probably shouldn't do that because I will probably get to this point. Ella is a different story. She, you know, like she knows what she wants, but she's like, might just run into it a little bit quicker and be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, And she thinks through those things. So I, I I don't know if that was helping answer your question on that. Well, I think that also goes back to some of what Amanda was sharing about how, you know, her oldest has earned certain trust elements, right? So where with one kid, you might be like, you know, even if you read the description, you're like, no, I can still watch this. It's like, well, (laughs) you know, you've kind of proven maybe you, you don't have that trust yet. I, I, I'm really curious. I know that like we talk about like peer pressure from a kid's perspective as a parent, do you feel that where you feel almost pressured to make certain parenting choices and there could be like positive forms of that you know where it's like encouraging to make certain parenting choices but there can also be 
negative sides of that, right? So how, how do you deal with, and is it real that there's like a parenting pressure? I can't speak for Victor, but I, as the, uh, the mother, yes. Um, I feel like constantly there's pressure on, are you making the right choices or you shouldn't have done that? Um, but at the end of the day, it's the, the good ones. I love the good ones that are like, no, you, you guys are, you know, make the choices for your kids. It's the bad ones that are saying, well, yeah, but you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this instead. Yeah. But you don't know my kid. Like I do, you don't know my family. Like I do, or, um, their dreams, their fears, their weaknesses. That's where you have to kind of, you can't let the pressure get to you because Mm -hmm. those people aren't going to be around when stuff hits the fan. Yeah. Like they're not going to be there when you get called into the principal's office because your kid is reenacting the squid game because you will be. And so that's the hard one there. I have a friend that's battling this, her sister-in-law allows swearing in front of their little one. And she goes, now it's rubbing off on my kids. And she goes, I don't know how to handle it. Mm. And I go, because it reflects your parenting. I go, you, you're in charge of your family unit. And so that's a reflection, whether we like it or not, it's a reflection on how we parent and if you let those outside voices pressure you to make a decision that you might not be comfortable with, you still have to handle the fallout from that or pick up the pieces after. Mm. And that's the hard part of parenting. No one said this was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really feel pressured uh, to make certain parenting choices, especially when it doesn't line up with your spouse. So, yeah, which is a thing that I'm going to, you know, just bring out in there. It's um, obviously we've all heard that, you know, like the kids, when they try to pit each other, um, you know, try to pit the parents against each other, which I think uh, my wife and I do very well. Um, but there are definitely the ones where you're sitting there in the, in the moment and your kids are watching and, and you can tell that you're like, oh, we definitely disagree on this part on this yeah. part of it. Now, the main that's core values are the important thing. Um, so I think that's really important to kind of work out with. And um, gosh, our kids have a phrase lately when they can tell that um, the intensity is picked up in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and they just have a phrase that they say, I was like, are you guys having grumbling right now or something like that? You know, and, yeah. and, and I have to always kind of stop, because <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I have to stop them because I was just like, hey, guys, guess what? We're really discussing through this. We're passionate about what we're, what we're doing because it both involves both of you guys. Uh, but I think it's also important that you see us trying to work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think behind the closed door, like, cause then what your, your, your kids always see and how we always mess them up in some way or another too, is they see the argument, but they don't see the solution on the other side of it. And mm-hmm. I think that's the point of like, Hey, when there's this conflict, even within the own parenting home, that it's like, they need to see, you as parents have the solution to it too, as opposed to we argued, it was bad. Oh, everything's good now. Um, but seeing how conflict, conflict resolution goes through that is an important thing. Uh, and then just say on the other flip side of that with other families is I definitely feel pressured and I definitely see the pressure, especially when you see um, 
how the, the awesome results of how parents are working with their kids. Like when you just see something and they're like, Oh my gosh, everything that kid does is awesome. What are you doing? You're like, what are you doing? Like, I feel pressure to be like, where am I lacking because of how awesome you're doing? Uh, and I think those are opportunities um, to come alongside families, you know, to be able to see that need and be like, Hey, what are you doing? And say, hey, nothing special, but this is just one. These are just a few things that have helped us out. Um, and I always make sure that I have that. I'm not always looking for a parent to be like, Hey, this is what you should be doing. This is what you, but when they're, when you can definitely see that there's a struggle within a parent and they're struggling with what they should let their kids decide to do or not to do um, based on that pressure is I lean in and I listen. And, and then if they're at, if they're looking for a little bit of ice, just give them one or two simple things as opposed to, well, what you need to do is, you know, like um, not direct them, but um, guide them. There's, there's two things, two parts of what you mentioned, Victor. And I want to, I want to come back to the, the second part, the like parenting advice thing. But the first thing you're talking about uh, where there's like the spouse conflict over an issue or something like that. I'm, I'm curious what's the line in decision-making in terms of like, I'm sure there are times where, like you mentioned, it's very healthy to model the type of behavior and conflict resolution that you're hoping they'll see and they'll, they'll be able to do in their future lives. But also I'm sure there's times where maybe it's best if they don't see that conflict and it's like the balance between, you know, like how, is there like a decision point that you guys make where you're like, maybe this has moved into a closed door argument. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. yeah, you're, you're right. Um, and yes, there is those. I'm not good at that because I'm a, I want to solve the problem right there. Um, yeah. Lindsay's more of the like, Hey, this needs to be discussed another time. I'm like, Nope. If I, if we tried to do it another time, it won't happen. You know, like that's me. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> Nope, it's not going to happen. Otherwise, like we need to solve it now. I'm not, I'm that's just, that's the peacemaker in me. Yeah. Um, where Lindsay can kind of just, put it off to the side and be like, all right, this is what's going on. Uh, but yes, you are correct. I think there has to be that at least one voice of reason uh, within, <laughs> within the couple to be able to be like, eh, this needs to be put onto another side. And just is knowing. That, is that topic based more so than it is like intensity based? Like if you're like trying to discuss, Hey, our kids should probably get a punishment for this. Let's discuss it. You know, <laughs> like, like, is that the right the topic? You know, I don't know. What do well, you I think, you know, there's going to, I think one thing that a kid never likes to hear is, is like, there's going to be a consequence for that. I mean, it's the follow through though too, but like, Hey, there's going to be a consequence for this, but your mom and I need to discuss it mm. and then we'll okay. have it later. But then there needs to be the follow-up because otherwise then they're like, you know, they, they were going to give me a consequence. They forgot about that one. So I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, like that, that's a part of it is, Make sure there's the follow through when you have that conflict and then you need to discuss it in a, in a different place. But yes, mm. I would, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I would say um, there's some, especially, I feel like sometimes it's topic based. Normally it's the, when you sit down and get married, I don't feel like anyone ever goes, well, if our child does this or asks for a phone, <laughs> when are we gonna, what age do we think? Like we don't plan those out ahead of time. Can and confirm. So, don't have kids. Have not planned that out. <laughs> <laughs> but you, like you don't have those things planned out. So you, normally you are hitting those while you're in like in the trenches. Oh, my kid's starting to ask for a phone. Sometimes those conversations can be quick. Well, yeah. Well, I don't. They can wait. Or there's other times where backstory from either person is, you know what? I think they should for this reason. And so 
for kids to see that again, we're growing, we're growing little adults. We're trying to release them hopefully into a world where they'll make great choices. They'll make sound decisions. They'll be responsible and they like, will be able to voice their opinion, but also be respectful of others. And so if they don't see us model that, how are they supposed to? Okay. So going back to the advice section, would you both advise like, like when you see those moments where you're like, wow, that, that, that couple or that, that parent, they seem to be doing a good job. Um, is that a moment where you advise like, Hey, ask their thoughts on something or, or ask advice or like, I really do feel like when you ask for advice, you're much more receptive than when you have advice told to you. Um, yes. and so having that humility to be like, we know we're always, you're always growing as a, as a person, as a follower of Jesus, as a parent, whatever. And so having that mentality is important. Yeah. Um, do you want to start this one? Man? Sure. Um, definitely. I mean, compliment. If you see someone that is knocking it out of the park as a parent, please, please, please compliment them. As a, as somebody, I have always doubted my abilities and I've always doubted, like, I'm not doing a great job. Most parents have. Most parents I've talked to, wow, I'm I'm stinking this up. I'm I'm failing. I'm making mistakes. So if you see a parent, please compliment them if you think they're doing a great job. Um, a, they need it. B, they need to be reassured about it. And then yes, definitely ask them advice. Um, like you had said, John, people don't exactly like giving like don't just give advice without asking. But if you see someone that, wow, you handled that so well, how do you do that? How do you remain calm when your child says mom for the millionth time in an hour? Like, how do you do it? Um, because a very specific example. <laughs> it might be true. Um, but we are all, we all can grow. We can all be better parents and better people. And so be a sponge, take in whatever. You never know what nugget that person has. And maybe they're passionate about it. Let them tell you some advice. You never know. It could help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'd add on to that though, too, is we all have a tendency to want to hang out with the peers of the, of the people who are going through it at the same time as I, I recommend find a couple that's about five to 10 years ahead of you mm. too, um, that you admire. Um, and, uh, you know, like one family and you guys, you guys will know them though too, but it's like, uh, and she is, is the, um, is the Crockers. Uh, and, and so, but for the, for people that don't know who they are, but just, they're just a kind of the wise family that you just look at them and you're like, they're wise beyond your years. And there's some things that they will like say that you're like, Whoa, how'd your kids end up, you know, coming out all right on the other end. But yet they're like, so um, well thought out on how they did parenting. And so like, you just learn something every time you talk with them mm. so that they're able to like encourage you in what you're doing. And also just to the point too, is having a family that's about five to 10 years. I mean, they're, they're a little bit more, more than five to 10 years, but I think where I learned a lot of that is through coaching through the years. Uh, in my coaching through the years, I've had families that are older in middle school, high school that mm. are older than my family. And I've been able to really look on and be like, man, there's something special about that kid. And then when I meet the parents, I'm like, Oh, that makes so much more sense because of, I see the guidelines and the steps that they put up and I'm able to ask questions. I'm like, Hey, what kind of things did you do? And, and that five to 10 years ahead. And then I'm able to encourage, you know, that it just gives me hope and knowing that 
the family that um, I, that they're doing all right. They're five to 10 years. And guess what? They had train wrecks. They had tough times, but they really stuck to their guns on these things. And so with that, um, I'm able to learn so much more um, with those families ahead. So, so there, I think there's a stereotype among people who follow Jesus uh, that they are more strict parents. Okay. I think that's a, I, I don't know. You can comment on whether or not that is a accurate stereotype or not, but it is definitely, I think, a stereotype. And I think that we would agree that it makes sense that there maybe is more restrictions or rules um, that when you're a follower of Jesus, you want to make sure you implement. Um, I guess my question in that is... (laughs) Like, how do you decide what to be strict on? How do you decide those like restrictions that maybe other people will say, "Oh, it, it's it's fine if if so and so is is doing this," you know? And that could be anything, right? I realize this is a little bit younger, but it's like, "Oh, it's fine if so and so stays the night at so and so's house," you know, or, or or whatever that example is, um, or gets a phone without any restrictions or, or things of that nature, right? Where, uh. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts? I think where I'd start <laughs> train wreck of a question that was, uh, I'm, I'm following with you. I'm following with you, John, and I'm going to, and I'm going to help clean it up for you here. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, first there's a common misconception that when you're a Christian, you're, um, saying no to so many things. I, uh, and the thing I learned that opened myself up so much more, uh, because I didn't come to know Jesus until I was 21, was that your yes to God is yes to so many more fulfilling things in your life um, that are going to teach you and guide you in so many more different ways than what you think you're saying no to. You know, like it's it's really I, I've gotten my mind out of, out, of the, out of the mindset that I'm saying no to things, and I'm really saying yes to these godly things yeah. that are helping me just make better choices and be better. I mean, you know, cause like, for example, it's like, I think there's this thing too. It's like, uh, I'll, I'll add a little of adult language in here as, as the sense that drinking, you know, mm-hmm. that drinking, Oh, you, you can't drink. And what I was like, no, it doesn't mean you can't drink. It just means you gotta be smart with it. Jesus, Jesus was at parties. Jesus drank, but he wasn't out there and he wasn't obliterated. <laughs> all the time. And he wasn't, you know, like he was smart with it. Mm-hmm. He he knew how to use it. And God didn't say, no, you can't do that. He, God talks about drunkenness. Yes. That's a thing that we shouldn't go. And so it's, it's learning, it's learning the concepts of what we've been given and, 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 and kind of coming along in those boundaries of like how God's guiding our lives and kind of going along with those lives. And so, so for me, I don't consider it as like, no to this, no to that, no to that. But like, Hey, guess what? Technology is in our world. And God didn't say like, hey, the technology is bad and it's evil. There's people out there that would say that. But it's what confines are you, can we learn about it and what guidelines and boundaries can we build around it so we can live in it health, healthily. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Help that help. Amanda, I don't know if you have any extra. So I will admit I am a strict parent. Yes. All right. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit this. I am a strict mom. Um, but that being said, if you ask my kids, am I a fun mom? You would get yes. Uh, I have restrictions on certain things. There are certain things that within our house, 
um, bedtime chores done by the whole family. Uh, what is expected as a, as the family unit? What is expected um, at school? And what is expected when we're with other people? Um, behavior, that kind of stuff. Um, that is stuff that's there. That being said, we have the fun days. We have the, you know what? It was a rough day. We're going to have a pizza party on the floor in front of the TV and watch our favorite show together. So I say no to some things and I have those restrictions in place, but we, we still have fun. We still have those like spontaneous parties and activities that we do. It's, it's kind of a toss up. You have to figure out where, what is, what is it that you want to say no to? Mm -hmm. Like there are certain things with, having the beliefs that, you know, believing in God that we have that are around us. Um, it's just kind of figuring out what you, where you go with it and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. So kind of the, the kind of double theme I'm hearing both, both sides here mm -hmm. is kind of this concept that within rules, there really is like it, like there is freedom within that, right. Where there's mm -hmm. like, I love the concept of you're saying yes to certain things by saying no to, to other things. Right. And it's, it's the same way you say no. So you actually have more freedom, right? You, you say no to staying up late because you get the more energized next day where your next day is, is better. Right. You say no to that ninth Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I imagine that, uh, especially, especially children, right? Such creatures of the moment, right? So like in the moment, like that is their number one focus. And I feel like the big role of a parent is creating boundaries to make it so that in the moment doesn't cost them the future. Well, being strategic mm -hmm. about it, the little ones that aren't going to harm them for like for long term. Um, you know what? Why don't we try staying up as late as you want to? And then they do and they have now learned the next day it wasn't worth it. Mm. I struggled at school, I was cranky, it was hard getting out of bed. That's not going to impact them long term, but now they feel almost validated. Yeah. Well, mom heard my concern, we tried it. I realized I did not like the outcome. Well, maybe next time when it's something different, maybe I'll still, I'll listen to mom because she might know a little bit more than I did. Yeah. Almost like this, like proving the trustworthiness of you. Mm -hmm. I realize that's a weird, that's kind of like a weird concept as parents where it's like, well, what ultimately what you say goes right. <laughs> but at the same time, like taking strategic moments to prove that what you're saying is actually good. Yeah. Well, then they learn to trust you. Yeah. I mean, as parents, we're, we expect them to respect us. But if they know that you're A, going to be like a person of your word, but B, you actually have, like, you've actually gone through this. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't eat too many jelly beans. It'll make you sick. Why? Because I've done it. Not fun. And so they start realizing that, oh, you know, you are smarter than you look, mom. You might actually know some things. I do believe me. I'm just trying to 
make sure that you don't have to deal with some of the pains that I have, Mm -hmm. but some of them, they have to. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, you bring up a good point because there is a tough dilemma in a parent though, too, is like, how much do we let them just do so they learn? And how much do we feel like I need to stop you from making that choice, but not sound so desperate about it. Like you should not, you know, don't eat those jelly beans or you'll die. Or you're like, you'll get sick. And they're like, me automatically, I just clicked in my head. I'm like, Ooh, I want to try some jelly beans. <laughs> just cause of that. there's that, that's that rebel in me. That's like, oh, I'm going to do it anyways, mom. <laughs> oh man. That's funny. That's all I got. That's funny. Well, I think that, I mean, it goes, it goes back to that. Like you talk about building trust. You talk about having picking moments where that's an okay thing. Right. Because obviously certain, like it's that you don't want your kid to to burn their hand on the stove, right? You know, and it's that it's like there's certain things where if the lasting damage is irreparable, you don't want them to experience that, right? Um, yeah. And so I imagine that there's like picking and choosing of those moments. What what type of conversations follow those types of things, right? So like you mentioned like the saying no so that there's a bigger yes, right? So that the thing that you value is actually happening. Well, what kind of conversations happen with that? I think you mentioned them a little bit, Amanda, with – Hey, remember when you actually tried this thing and it went this way or, uh, do you bring back those types of conversations when like it's a bigger item or is it important to like intentionally revisit that? So like if they stay up late, you know, you're going to bring this up with them tomorrow. Something like that. Do you remember what happened last time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, as uh, my son has reminded me, don't beat the dead horse. Um, I have, so, he has, <laughs> unfortunately, he does like to stay up a little bit later. And baseball season doesn't help that right now. Um, but I have a few times mentioned the next morning, he takes forever to get ready. And like, well, we did stay up late last night. And he goes, yeah, I know. Like, it's a kind of a cause and effect, dude. If you stay up late, it's hard to get up in the next morning. And he goes, yeah, I know. I'm going to go to bed early tomorrow. Okay. I go, I just don't want you cranky for the rest of the week. How do you handle, and this kid, we can wrap it up with this. How do you handle the, like the different rules as an adult than as a kid? Right. So like you guys probably stay up later than your kids. How do you handle it? Like, hey, we get to because we're parents. Is that, is, that, is that as simple as the conversation goes? Or is it bigger like, no, as adults, we can do, we have these things. You know, I'm sure there's like, because obviously you don't have any, you, it's, it's different, right? But how do you have that? How do you talk to them? I think we've just always been really open with our kids. But now I think every family is different uh, when it comes to that. For our kids, we like, hey, mom and dad have to stay up later because this is our one time. This is our one chance to be able to talk with each other because in the morning we're waking up, we're getting ready for school. We go off to work, you know, and then also now it's, Hey, now we're making dinner. Um, this is our one time to like actually chat with each other and and connect a little bit. And that's important to our relationship. We let them know that like, Hey, we want to be working together because we can't do this on our own. Yeah. Um, and so things like that, but also any decision that we know, comes up so like it becomes a lot you know, my son fifth grade going into sixth grade next year 
wanted to talk about phones because he's like, Hey, a lot of my friends are getting phones. And so I know that we brought up this up a couple of times and we're like, you know, he talked individually with it about mom and individually about it with me. And I said, that's going to be a conversation that mom and I are going to have to talk about. Um, you know, yes, we have phones and I even had to tell him, and if I could take off all the smart features on it, sometimes I would, because like it can try to take you over. And we know like, we are probably not going to put internet on it. You know, we're going to put, we're going to put texting and calling because that's all you really need in sixth grade. But he's like, oh, really? Like, it's like almost like, it's not going to be worth it to have the phone. And I'm like, but he's like, at the end of the conversation, he's like, yeah, I, I, I was like, Hey, and then I brought up the question. Um, can you think of any po reasons, positive or negative, why, what you would actually need on a phone? And he was able to talk through those things mm -hmm. then and tell me, and he's like, as much as he was disappointed about it, he was able to give the, the correct answers. Um, and it's again, giving him the ownership of like, Hey, you are getting more trustworthy age wise to do these things. Uh, but adults have different standards. Uh, and, and that's just a part of it. And he gets that, um, which is why I think sometimes our kids try to grow up faster because they see what all the adults have and are getting, yeah. and they're supposedly happier, um, or have more things to do. And they're like, I got to get to that. I got to get to that. Um, don't do it. It's a trap. You know, well, and I just, I really tell my kids enjoy being where you're at right now and who you are, because there's always another thing to get to. There's always another thing to get to. Um, so really li like living in the moment of that and knowing that, Hey, I'm an adult and I still want to be a kid. So, <laughs> um, I think, I hope that helped answer it, but maybe I'll, Amanda can elaborate. Um, yes, we do stay up late. Um, I'm, normally I'm pretty honest with the kids. Um, I do a lot of my, uh, work or hobbies after they go to bed. Um, that being said, there are a few times that I have stayed up way later than I probably should. And I have that as a point of conversation the next morning. Um, cause they'll be like, oh yeah, well, how late did you stay up? And I'm like too late. Now I'm tired today. I'm crankier. I need more cups of coffee. It wasn't a great decision. <laughs> more um, adult but just, juice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just having those open conversations. I'm pretty open and honest with my kids and they know they can, we, they can ask me questions, but I'm also not going to not answer them. Um, cause I want them to understand that even as adults, we might have different rules, but sometimes we don't always make those good choices either. Mm. And being willing to like share those experiences. Yes. Age appropriately. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I thank you so both so much for for sharing on this. It's it's super fascinating, right? Like I, I mentioned before, I, I don't have kids, and so I I know that someday this is coming, and it's like there's just a whole world of of like like you mentioned, Victor, like talking to people that are that are farther along in that journey in that path, and being like, hey, what was helpful? What worked? What wisdom can you give me? And so I just appreciate both of you sharing your wisdom on this, and I hope it's uh, really helpful for everyone. Well, that was my conversation with Amanda and Victor, and I think it was full of a lot of great thoughts and acknowledgement for just the difficulty of parenting. I love the affirmation that it's okay to make different parenting decisions because you know your kids and what they need. And I also love the practical advice of seeking out a couple that has kids a little bit older than yours and getting their advice and thoughts. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ridge Podcast, and make sure to follow and subscribe so that you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations.